0: So, the last three times that I preached, I was preaching a message called The Determined Lifestyle. And The Determined Lifestyle is an understanding that God wants us to make a decisive decision about how we live our lives. He doesn't want us to float around, or He doesn't want us to second guess. He doesn't want us to be undecided. He wants us to make a decision and not turn back from it. And for me, 25 years ago, I made a decision and never turned back. At that time, I was living in the world, playing in a reggae band. I was selling drugs and going to clubs and parties and living for myself. I was following the Grateful Dead around the country. I was a rock and roller, and I didn't care what anybody thought or said when it came to doing the right thing. I was determined to live for myself no matter what. But due to circumstances in life, due to hurricanes and jail, and finding myself constantly in a, in a whirlwind of trouble, I made a decision to surrender my life to Jesus, and I never turned back. Now, I made a lot of mistakes over the last 25 years. It hasn't been perfect. In fact, it's been pretty messy. But God, in his love and his kindness, has been patient with me. He's been merciful with me, and he never gave up. But he always believed in me, and he always gave me strength, and he gave me power to live the life that I wanted to live. I didn't want to live the way that I was living anymore. When the party was over, when the drugs and the alcohol and the sex was all over in the morning, I found myself empty and void and longing for something that I didn't have. And because of that, I would constantly live in this cyclical pattern where when the party was over, even though I felt empty and void, the only way that I knew to fill that void was to keep chasing after the things of the world. Now, some of you may not be living that life today, but If you're not satisfied and fulfilled in the Lord, you'll chase after other things to find pleasure and delight, material possessions, money, jobs, relationships, and the things of this world to bring comfort to you. The Lord wants us to find strength and comfort and power in him and him alone. And that power does a lot of things. One of the greatest things that it's done for me is it transformed my life. So now, people that I used to run with, that I used to party with, that used to know me for who I once was, and pretty much all of you don't know that person, but thanks to Facebook and social media and technology, today, all the people that I went to high school with and all the people that I used to run with can watch and observe my life and how I live. And I don't use those platforms to, to preach at them or to get political or to use it as a, as a platform of debate. Because social media is not a real conversation. But it does give people the opportunity to peer into your life. Not just there, but of course here. This is the greatest platform that the Lord has given me. Here. Now I have coffee shops and businesses and I'm in the marketplace. And a lot of people watch and look and see my life. The greatest testimony of the power of God is the evidence and the witness of what he's done for me and what he's done for you. It's an understanding that you're not the person that you once were. It's an understanding that the way that you used to live, you no longer live that way. It's also a picture of God's transforming love in you that when people see you, they can see how active and present and real he is in the earth. The greatest way that God proves his existence and proves himself is through people not palm trees and blue skies and white clouds and seagulls, though I like those things. I like the beach and I love mountains and I love what God has created and I can see the Lord in those things. I can see the Lord in family. I can see the Lord in babies. I can see the Lord in what he's created. But the greatest way that God reveals himself is through his sons and daughters because people look at you, they watch you, And they look to see, do we really live what we say and what we declare and what we adhere to? 275 million people in this nation claim to be Christians. The challenge is, too many people have a religious faith that doesn't demonstrate the accuracy and the power and the love of who he really is. Now, not everyone. I said too many people. Because sadly, religion has turned so many people away. So people have walked away from the Lord because of what they've seen in other people. But on the flip side, people will come to the Lord because of what they see in you. So we're going to talk about that today. And I'm going to conclude this series because I originally dove into the understanding of the cross and the power of the cross through a little bank of scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And that's all we're going to read today because this is, this is really a, a summarization of all of those messages. And it started out with me reading how Paul would teach and preach, not with excellency of speech so that you would trust in man, but that there would be a demonstration of his spirit, of God's spirit and power so that you'd put your faith in the power of God. And so as I meditated on that, I was taken back a few verses To where Paul said, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. You see, I want power. I want power not just to walk in the miraculous to set other people free. But I need power in my own life to love my wife right. I need power in my own life to love my children right. I need power in my own life to lead this church right. I need power in my own life to manage my businesses right. You need power in your life to do relationships right. You need power in your life to not only lay your life down, but to love yourself. Because if you don't have a love for yourself, how can you really love others? And as we dive into the marriage and family series in a few weeks, we're going to talk about the greatest commandment which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so if you don't have a passionate love for the Lord and you don't understand that love that he has for you and you love yourself in him the right way, you'll never be able to love someone else. And Prophet Kevin said last week, it's impossible to love your wife and be a bad son. And the thing is, is that You have to have the power of God to live the way that he wants you to live. And you can't do it by trusting in me or your spouse or another preacher or anyone else. There has to be effective working power to transform your life and to give you the strength to live the way he's called you to live and to show that to everyone around you, especially your own family and your children. As believers and followers of Jesus, God gives us the power to do many things for many reasons. It's power to bring healing and life and comfort to the broken and the hurting. It's power to reveal God's love by demonstrating his supernatural power on earth. It's power to lay our lives down for one another. Power to not only carry our own cross, but to help other people carry theirs. Jesus even needed help carrying his cross. It's power to become a trench fighter to help you overcome the struggles and challenges that you face in your life and marriage. It's power to have reality-based conversations and to not walk in fear and shame of what other people are going to think about you or to not walk in fear and shame to tell somebody else the truth frankly, in love. It's power to dream. It's power to see. And it's power to speak the hidden mysteries of God. I love 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. I go back to it all the time because it talks about us as servants and stewards of the mysteries of God and that we must be found faithful with those stewards, with with those mysteries. I want to see. I want to dream. I want to live life to the fullness, not just barely make it every day. It's power to be faithful stewards and representatives of him on earth. It's power over all demonic forces that hate you and want to kill you and keep you bound up in addiction, fear, isolation, loneliness, and shame. It's power to walk in light and continue the ultimate defeat of the enemy and every principality that Jesus already defeated but now hates you and wants to destroy you and keep you back from your purpose on earth. It's power that causes us to have faith and trust only in him, and it's power that doesn't come from yourself. It's not behavior modification. It's not another self-help book. It's not another church service. It's not another ear-tingling message. It's power that transforms you and causes you to become everything God wants you to become. And it's power that causes you to overcome hardship, difficulty, adversity, because it's going to come. And see, tension and hardship actually makes you stronger. There's got to be tension, because tension makes me desperate. Tension makes me vulnerable. And you can't live a life where you only seek pleasure and avoid pain. That's behavior modification at its finest. That's self-help at its best. That we live a life doing all we can to avoid any pain, any hurt, any rejection, and any adversity. But transformation always includes pain. It's what we do with that pain. It's what we do when we're rejected. It's what we do when we go through hardship. That's the key. But it's going to come. And if you respond rightly, and if you lean upon him in vulnerability, and if you come out of hiding and say, man... I am a mess, but I'm a beautiful mess, and I need somebody to love me where I'm at and not beat me over the head with the Bible or kick me when I'm down, but I can come into the light and not walk in shame and fear because of the mistakes that I've made or that I'm making. And there's mothers and fathers that care and love others like their own children, like the way God loved his son and loves us. That's key. We need that power to accurately reflect him, and it can't be religious facades. My kids watch my every move. They're three and five. Your kids watch your every move, and your kids will watch me, and my kids will watch you. So we have a great responsibility, but it's a responsibility that if it's not real, if it's not authentic, you can't fake it till you make it, guys. Just be real, be open, and find somebody that you can talk to that will love you and care for you, but ultimately point you to Jesus and cause you to have faith and trust in the power of God. God gives us power to become everything that we were destined to become. He gives us power to be who you were intended to be, and he gives you power to love yourself. And we'll talk about in a few weeks how you lay your life down and don't live a selfish life, but yet you're supposed to love yourself. There's tension there. We'll talk about that. But simply put, God is full of power and love and He pours out that power and love upon us and upon his children for his purposes and plans on earth. So let's look at 2 Corinthians verses 1 through 5. So I've been been stuck here for like six, seven weeks now. It's not that I'm ready to move on, but I wanna conclude this, and we'll always come back to it, because these are staple scriptures of Rock City Church. Because in a world where there's churches and megachurches teaching you behavior modifications and five principles and great wisdom and great teaching and very profound and very charismatic, in that world, we need more than that. There's gotta be a demonstration There's got to be a testimony of his power and of his love. So let's look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter, or I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in a demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So as a Christian, the way we live should keep that, uh, keep verse four up. I'm sorry, keep verse one up. As a Christian, we declare the testimony of God. We declare his testimony. And people who observe our lifestyle should see the evidence of God's miraculous power to heal and transform a person's life. It's no longer living the way that we once lived, but it's being changed into a new person who we were always destined to be. People are watching And they're witnesses to the reality of who we say we are, what we believe in and how we love and treat them. Everyone's declaring something by our life and the way that we live. The question is, what are we declaring? So for me, I lead a motorcycle ministry to outlaw bikers. These are people that absolutely do not like Christians. They're mostly atheists, some Satanists. There are a few believers Not a lot of disciples, but for the most part, these are people that really don't like the hypocrisy of Christianity. And after years and years and years and years of making attempts to build relationships with some of these people, I finally succeeded. And you know how I succeeded? Because they watched and examined my life to see if I was authentic and if I was the real thing. And it came with slander. It came with being mocked. It came with being lied about. It came with lots of hardship and adversity. But finally, relationships were built, and now they watch even closer. I have people from my past that used to run with me that when I first gave my life to Jesus, mocked me and laughed at me and didn't want to ever be my friend or talk to me because they thought I was going to be some religious weirdo. But now, years and years later, They've come full circle as they've watched from a distance to see how my life has truly changed and how I'm not the same person that I once was. And so they still watch, and they're still looking closely at our lives. I'm not saying that to put pressure on you. I'm saying that to say that we have to have a testimony and a declaration that accurately reflects who he is. And so the word testimony, let's talk about that for a moment. The word testimony means something evidential. It means that there's evidence. Think of a witness that's on trial that's called to give a testimony about something that they saw or something that they experienced. It's evidence that proves, which in turn brings a conviction. And so when people see your life, there should be a conviction in other people's life. That's why I get around a lot of these guys and, You know, they're cussing and living a life that's totally opposite of my own life, and they feel a conviction. And they'll they'll, you know, cuss around me and say and do things now, and like, oh, sorry, I I didn't mean to say that around you. I'm like, listen, you don't have to change because of me. I know they're experiencing and feeling a conviction and being around me, but I don't want people to change just because of me. I tell them, be yourself, I'll take you as you are. Because God is the one that does the transforming work in their lives. But my life is a witness and a testimony and an example of God's transforming power. And so because he rules and radiates in my life, it brings conviction to their lives. Because there's a testimony in my life, it brings conviction in their life. But what we first have to know and what we first declare is the testimony of God. But we have to have that testimony of God in our own lives. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. So a testimony is something that's evidence. So we bring evidence and proof of God on earth through our lives and what people see and witness. Okay? Now, the good thing is the onus isn't all all upon me because I could never fully carry that weight. If God doesn't show up, if lives aren't being transformed, if there's not presence there's not power, if there's not healing, if people aren't getting flamed on, it would be pointless. God has to show up. But if I stay in position, and if I'm not afraid to declare his testimony, which is what he did on the cross, how he resurrected, how he loves you, how he cares for you, the purposes that he has for you, if I'm not constantly pointing you to him and living that for myself, there's not going to be that presence and that spirit and that power the way that it should be. Our lives should clearly and accurately reflect the transforming love and power of God, no matter what people say or think of you. And there's got to be no shadow of a doubt, okay? I call it the demonstration declaration. It's not with persuasive words or excellence of speech, but it comes from a demonstration We actually declare who God is by demonstration. Of course, we have to preach and teach and train and equip. Of course, we have to have those things. But there's got to be a demonstration. Man-made religion isn't going to cut it anymore. God wants there to be a show-me reality so that people have examples to follow and can more easily grasp the truth for themselves. The basis is, is if he did it for you, he can do it for me. And because I've seen his work in your life, I want it for myself. Now, if I had time, I would jump over to 1 Peter chapter 2. Because 1 Peter chapter 2 talks about this whole concept and understanding of us being pilgrims and sojourners. That ultimately, earth is not our home. Heaven is. And ultimately, we're aliens and foreigners living in a land with the world that ultimately is not our home. And because of that, Peter begs, begs us to live a life that's worthy of the call that's upon us. And he begs us to put away anything that's lustful and sinful, that's warring against our soul, and he says that because people are watching. That's the whole premise of 1 Corinthians 2. I'm sorry, 1 Peter 2. And then he goes on into loving and serving well no matter how other people treat you. Being honorable to the laws of the land, being honorable to the president and the governors, even if they treat you wrong and harshly and poorly because they did the same thing to Jesus. So he uses this whole example of Jesus at the cross of the way we should live our lives. But I'm not teaching on that today because I don't have enough time. But I'm telling you, I've been reading 1 Peter 2. If you, if you want some good homework, something great to read tonight, read that. Because when you get an eternal perspective in your heart, and when you understand, man, I'm surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. I mean, you don't have to be in my position. Trust me, your coworkers, the people that, that pay you for a job, your family, your every, you're being watched by somebody. So, God wants to give you power to live a transformed life. And He wants us to put our faith and trust in that power and not in man and not in our own selves. Okay? So, people are saying, Show me. If God's real, show me. People, everyone has a component of God's DNA inside of them, everybody does. And everybody ultimately has something inside of them to look for God and to want to experience. Even if they call themselves atheists or Satanists, I'm telling you, everybody does. And when there's people that walk in greater power and greater authority and greater love than what the world has to offer and what the devil has to offer, people will take notice. God wants to put you on display. God wants to put you on display. The Lord told me, prior to us losing Eden, prior to Hurricane Harvey, prior to all all the struggles with my health, over the last year and a half, he said, I'm putting you on display. I even said it publicly out of my mouth. And one of the ways that God put me on display is by going through massive amounts of hardship and adversity, but coming out stronger, more in love, more powerful, more healed, more strengthened, so that when other people go through adversity and hardship, they can say, man, if he did it, I can, and if God could do it for him, I'm gonna believe God can do it for me. Yes. And that's one, another understanding in First Peter chapter 2 is that Peter says, look, live upright, live godly, even when you get slandered as an evildoer, and you will, anybody that desires to live a godly life will be persecuted, anybody. He says, no matter what comes against you, I want you to live this way And here's why. So that when people get visited personally by God, they'll glorify the Lord because what they saw in your life. It's all in 1 Peter 2. I'll teach that at some point. There's something powerful in a demonstrated testimony. And so I want you to take a look at verse 4. Pull up verse 4. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in a demonstration of the Spirit and power. Now, just leave it there for a moment. This one particular verse, and then the next one, which we'll read in a second, got me all into going deeper in the cross, going deeper to understanding the power of the cross, to going back to the beginning, because I want to walk in supernatural power. We live in a day and age where everyone's looking for really good preaching, teaching, wisdom of man, super. Deep, practical understanding, five points. I've had people leave this church because I don't teach more pr- from a more principled position. Three points, five points. It's not behavior modification. I don't know what to tell you. I don't, get, I don't want to fall to, into this trap. And I can also fall into this trap in my own believing in my own self. God doesn't want you to have faith and trust and power In yourself he wants you to have it in him and then he makes you to be everything he wants you to be so that you can have self-confidence and self-love in him so to demonstrate something is to give a practical exhibition and explanation of how something works and why right so if you're a mechanic you're gonna change a carburetor teach your son how to change a carburetor You're going to show him and demonstrate to him what a carburetor does, what its purpose is, and you're going to have him watch. You're going to have him get in, get dirty, get his hands in the engine. That's one example of so many. In anything that you teach and train somebody to do, you explain it to them, and then they watch you, and then you watch them. It's a demonstration. I have to do it all the time with my staff at the coffee shop. Most of you can't just jump behind the espresso machine, pull a great shot of espresso, and pour latte art. It takes a demonstration. So I show you how beautiful it looks, then I let you taste it, and you say, man, I want that. I want to be able to do that. And I say, well, first clean the toilets for a month. And I make them really, really, really want it. But I demonstrate by example. And that's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, look... Excellence of speech, wisdom of man, persuasive words, they're all around. And in the natural, they can sound good, but what happens is is you'll you'll leave the same way that you came in. And what we don't need are a bunch more principles and behavior modification. We've got to have a demonstration of power. There's got to be a demonstration. And so a demonstration is this understanding that not only am I giving you a practical understanding of why something works and how to do it, but I'm also proving the existence of something. And I'm doing it publicly. That's a demonstration. Because first you get it for yourself and then you give it away publicly. And you may not have the, the, you may not be in the position that I'm in but I can assure you, you have a pulpit and a platform somewhere. Every one of us do. We all do. So there's gotta be a demonstration. And so Paul would make a profound statement. Lives, speech, and preaching that demonstrates the spirit and power is what everybody's looking for. They need proof. People are looking for proof. And instead of people finding that proof and trusting themselves, others, and religion, he wants us to have it in him and his power. Look at verse five. The reason why there was a demonstration is for this scripture right here. And we live in a world where we're constantly looking to the next church service, we're looking to the next preacher, we're looking to the next feel-good moment. I mean, Christian TV is full of some great excellent preachers and it doesn't mean that you can't get things from them but what we really need more than anything is to put our trust and faith in the power of God so I said Lord I want that I want that in my life and he said then go back to verse 2 let's go back to verse 2 Paul made this decision to only know Jesus and him crucified. And I know that that can sound just so super spiritual, but guys, we live in a day and an age where we have to be. I'm just telling you. We have to be separated and called out from the things of this world. You know, and as I grow older, I'm coming to a place where I want less and less and less and less of what the world has to offer and more and more and more of what Jesus and the kingdom has to offer. I find the things that I once really liked and was a part of not as enjoyable anymore because all I really want to know is Jesus and him crucified. And when I know Jesus and him crucified, what happens is that becomes a message that flows out of me. And now in every situation whether you're facing devastating relationship issues like divorce or whether you're facing a crisis at your job or no matter what you're going through, when you know Jesus and him crucified, you get the answers and the power to overcome and now the message that comes out of you gives power to transform somebody else's life. See, I love power. I love power. I wanna lay hands on the sick. I wanna cast out demons. I wanna pray in other tongues. I wanna move in the miraculous. I love those things. But I need more than anything miraculous power to live a life that accurately reflects who he is because people are watching and there's another scripture in the Bible that says, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that's inside of you. Always be ready. And the more ready I become, the more positioned I'll be to help you and everyone around me because God will divinely orchestrate them. He'll divinely orchestrate divine appointments, no matter where you're at. You're in the hospital, and God says, keep your eyes open. I've got a plan for you while I'm here. You're in rehab, God says, I sent you here for a reason. Even if you go to prison, no matter what your situation is, every situation is an opportunity for you to love and accurately reflect him. Because I've been in all those situations. You can trust in his miraculous power to transform not only your life, but the lives of those that observe, witness, and surround you. I want so much for my kids to become everything God wants them to become. But the only way that I believe that that will happen is if they look at my life and they see what beauty, love, power, radiance, joy, excitement, what living wild for Jesus looks like. Not being ultra-religious, but loving really, really well. If your life's a mess... You desperately need Jesus and his power to transform you. We need reality-based conversations, and we need churches that aren't afraid to talk about how shame and sin and fear and rejection and isolation are beating you up and keeping you bound. But God loves you and cares about you. He died for you. He gave his life for you. If he did it, you can do it. And that's why I love the next verse. Go to verse 3. I taught a few weeks ago on agonizing power that Jesus would agonize in the garden and I broke down the word agony that the word agony goes all the way back to being led to overcome a spiritual battle in your life. And all of us are facing spiritual battles in one way or another. So Jesus would pour out his soul unto death and he would lay his life down And now we lay our lives down for one another because Paul said, I was with you in weakness, fear, and in much trembling. And I have people in this congregation that are struggling in relationships, marriages. There's been battling sickness for a long time, struggles in raising kids, and financial problems, and addiction problems. And you know what? I have to get in the trenches, and so do you, to fight and to fight right, But there's got to be a manifestation and a demonstration of the power of God in our lives. So when Prophet Kevin came last week, the whole weekend was about shame and breaking off shame. And it's a direction that we're going to go a lot in this church. And especially as we talk about family and marriage and relationship, especially when we talk about intimacy issues. Because if you have shame in your life, it's going to be very, very hard for you to have a good intimate relationship with God and especially your spouse. And so it culminated with this powerful night on Sunday night with people breaking a shame-based conscience, people repenting of the lies and the fears and all these, you know, devaluing things that the Lord, that the devil was saying to people. And people confessing shame and breaking things out of their life and man, the presence and the power of God was here and so many people were transformed because his power was here. And now we put our trust and our faith in the power of God. And so it's not gonna happen until you know Jesus crucified and have an accurate understanding of what it means to be a true disciple. And I wanna challenge all of us today to make a determination to stop trusting in our own power to transform ourselves. Make the determination today to surrender every area of your life to his love and his power. Make the determination to get around people who have an accurate and beautiful testimony of God's redeeming and transforming love. He loves you. He can heal you. He can restore you. And there's so much more than just being a good Christian. God wants you to walk in supernatural power. He wants you to be filled with the spirit of the Lord, with his spirit. And he wants you to have the ability to move not only for yourself but for others in all the things that he can do, especially in transforming your life and other people's lives, okay? He wants that. I want that. I want this church to be that. So let's all stand.